0: Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. let, let me know just who I am. Let's be know just who I am. One, two, three, four nine space, marine holds. One, two, three, four nine space, marine calls. One, two, three, four, I love the marine coat. One, two, three, four, I love the
1: green call. I call, high coal, power holes, your call, power call, marine call. Kenny, you know, one of the nice things I really enjoyed yesterday with Tyler is when I started talking he would pod that music down. I think you get so busy answering calls well, and doing this
0: I am that busy, just... Brad, and the reason yes, I'm busy I is because we have 3 guests in the studio for Let the Sawdust Fly. Oh, that's right. And I'm getting yes. getting things set thank up. God. So let's talk to and Pete. And what... right
1: in the studio? Yes. Well, let me do this Kenny before we bring them on because I was neglecting mentioning at the end of last hour that the North Shore Federal Credit Union is going to present Tribute Fest this coming August 25th and 26th at Bayfront Park. 20 rock bands playing some of the greatest rock and roll out of the 60s, 70s, 80s on two stages. The credit union is going to provide free tickets for all veterans and their families, plus all active duty members and their families. So all you got to do is stop into any North Shore Federal Credit Union office in either Duluth, Two Harbors, Silver Bay, Lutes, and Grand Marais, or Grand Portage. And you know what? Make sure you bring your military ID to prove that you are a member or a veteran, and you will get free tickets. And you know what? You can also buy tickets, if you're not, even if you're not a veteran, you just want to go to the show. You can buy general public uh, tickets for The Tribute Fest, either from their website, thetributefest.com, or from... The North Shore Federal Credit Unions. So give them a try. You're going to love the event. It's a great, great time. And they always do nice things for veterans at that event as well. So, Peter Wood, do you have some uh, award winners uh, in the studio with you well, today?
2: Well, Brad, thanks for allowing us to come back another time. And uh, I'm glad you missed me so greatly. We do. We always miss you. <laughs> but anyway, folks, it's great to be back. And today, and this month, uh, we have uh, DJ Alderman out of Hayward, Wisconsin, World Lumberjack Championships. He runs a show there when it's going on. I think I got that right. And also, we have Adam LaSalle, originally from New York, the state of New York originally, and now, and Samantha, his wife, LaSalle. And they live right now up in Embarrass, Minnesota. And if you're listening to all parts of the world out there, Embarrass is an actual town, and it's uh, a suburb of let's say Ely and a Babbitt. <laughs> <laughs> when you get out in the country, it's a suburb. They're probably twenty-five miles yeah. apart, yeah. but it's a suburb. But anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about World Lumberjack, what it's like to be a competitor, how he grew up trying to become one, and is one. And uh, now a forester, and DJ is the one that uh, gives a thumbs up or thumbs down when the contests are getting pretty heated, if you qualify it or not. <laughs> But anyway, with that, Brad, uh, Adam, you want to tell the folks out there a little bit about yourself, where you're from and grew up and that kind of stuff?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me on. Um, Adam LaSalle. I I grew up in uh, northern New York, uh, right on the end of Lake Ontario. Um, So a a different perspective of the lake states. Uh, But I grew up in a logging family, Um, just kind of... uh, Doing what we needed to do, uh, we needed lumber. We went to the woods, we cut it down, we skidded it out, we ran into the sawmill, and uh, the rest is all history but uh, what i what I gained on that is the the interest the the, the love for being in the woods. Um, I went off and uh, and did five years in the navy and I came back and I had a choice I could be making big bucks working on airplanes, or I could go do something I really enjoy and i I decided to do that i went back to forestry school or went to forestry school uh at paul smith's college up in the adirondack mountains in new york and and um there they had a, a club team and uh i think maybe 10 percent of the uh, the student body tried out for the woodsman's team and and uh i got in right off the bat and and the rest is all history i've been competing ever since uh, i running into into canada all across the u.s and uh and internationally I've been to to Europe I've been to Australia competing and um, really has been a heck of a trip so far. Yeah.
1: Adam this is uh, this is Brad Bennett and I had a question when you said you were on the on the team in college they actually had a, a woodsman team that went out and competed it against other teams?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, we... Uh,
1: Fantastic.
3: We raced against, uh, I don't know, five five other teams in the in the state of New York, and then Maine, Connecticut, uh, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, all, all of them, everywhere.
1: So now give me an idea of what the competition level on these teams were. Were there like axe throwing, log splitting, that kind of stuff? Yeah,
3: all of the above. <laughs> okay. Cho- right. chopping, sawing, tree climbing, uh log rolling, axe throwing. Uh we had one of our uh favorite events was the the packboard relay where we would we'd string together a forty five pound pack on a frame and then we'd have a relay race uh with our team and, and the fastest person to, uh or the fastest team would win naturally, and um, so a lot of these are, are you know steeped in the historic uh, nature of, of of logging, turn of the century logging uh, that went on. Sure. So the crosscut sawing, um, the axe throwing that was actually a work-a-day skill set that people had um, or had to employ. Um, obviously the the chopping and the sawing that that. Um, that was the taking the trees down and bringing them to the waterways, the log rolling and the river pigging that was bringing them down to the mill and and so on and so forth so um yeah i feel I feel absolutely uh blessed and fortunate to to just kind of fall into that um
1: that opportunity and I never look back you know one thing you said, Adam, at the beginning when you introduced yourself that was i think so critical is you had a decision, should I make big money working on airplanes or should I do what I enjoyed and loved? You know, I wish more people would make that decision in their lives. Too many people get stuck in jobs for their whole career that they hate, but they do it because they can make good money, and they just... Uh, really miss out on so much in life, don't you think?
3: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I take so much away from a day in the woods, uh, you know. And, and I, looking back at uh, you know the last fifteen, twenty years, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for for anything. I mean, granted, I've stuck it out, and I'm making a living, a living wage now, and I'd be able to put food on the table. Uh, but that's that's not why I work. I work to because I'm passionate about forestry. I'm passionate about taking care of the the woods and and uh, getting a product out and helping other people do the same thing.
2: Uh, Brad, uh, Samantha, are you there? We'd like to, wh- where Where did you grow up? I know you said Hayward in that. Could you give the folks out there listening a little bit about yourself as well now?
4: Yeah, I grew up in Hayward, and I got a very different start from Adam. Um, when I was about six, seven years old, um, my parents basically had the choice of putting me in soccer camp or log-rolling camp, and I went to log-rolling camp or log-rolling school down at Lake Hayward. Um <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. that's great it is great i am just laughing here but that's great go ahead
4: yeah so you know it, it's where a bunch of amateurs meet um and, and you have teachers and you you go for a couple hours a day i think the attraction as a kid is that you're at the lake and you can jump in the water but ball rolling is addicting um it's super tough to learn um and the more you do it the better you want to get so you just want to try again and again so as i got older i just kind of stuck with it. Um, I went to the University of Minnesota Twin Cities where they did have a timber team um, that I was not aware of at all, actually, so I just competed on my own individually throughout college at different competitions throughout the summer and stuck with it through that kind of tough transition period where you're getting a real job and you've got other priorities kind of taking you away from sports, whereas in high school it's a lot easier to just focus on sports, right? Um, And made the jump to the pro ranks from there and have kind of stuck with it ever since and it's very competitive. Um, the group is like one big family, so it's like a big reunion in the summer, something to look forward to. Even though you're competing against everyone, it's kind of kind of nice just to catch up with everybody and see everybody at the different competitions.
2: So, so uh, uh, could you say a little bit about the log-rolling school out there? Because that's kind of unique when you hear about it because most people don't it think really of those is. things at all. But could you talk a little bit about that, Samantha?
4: Yeah, so the, the log rolling school in Hayward is called the Namacogan River Rollers, and it takes place right at Lumberjack Bowl, where we host the Lumberjack World Championship. So those kids are fortunate enough to get to roll right there in that body of water that we compete in. And believe it or not, there are several log rolling schools all around the Midwest. Um, On Alaska has one, Lacrosse has one, Madison. So they're kind of popping up the Twin Cities all over the place. These different log rolling clubs and people are just getting into it as an, an extracurricular or as a way to stay in shape. Um, the adult sport division is growing. We've actually brought that into the Lumberjack World Championships over the last two years, kind of a, a way for newbies to compete who aren't quite ready to take it as seriously as the pros, but they can compete on that adult sport level um, because we're seeing more and more adults getting into it as these clubs start popping up all over the place.
2: Oh.
1: That's Uh, that's amazing that it's grown like that. I I can see that your husband, Adam, you know, having been in the logging business and even Pete, that you'd want to compete and stuff like that. But the the fact that it's growing amongst everybody, even adults doing it just for uh, like exercise, like an exercise class, that makes total sense.
4: Yeah, I'll be sure to sign you guys up for
1: class next week. How does that sound? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so challenge is on. I think Here we go. Do oh, I think
4: I man. can do it, man. Got we God. better tell my
1: big mouth. We
2: gotta will you? <laughs> 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 we gotta tell the folks how what's uh, the length of these logs, what kind of logs are you running on? And the size diameter, because, uh, so to get an idea, like, it's like a floating, shall we say, like a like a small pontoon boat, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah,
2: but <laughs> half a <of> one. <laughs> that flips <Yeah>. over <laughs> often.
4: Only <Yeah>. one float. <laughs>
2: so Could you tell folks scenario. what it's like, uh, the size and the length of those logs and all that, what kind?
4: Yeah, so there's there's four different sizes that the pros roll on, um, and they're numbered one, two, three, and four. So they're 12 or 13 feet long. The shorter they are, the faster they are. Um, and they, they start at 15 inches in diameter and they go down to 12 inches. So as you, where well, we call it timing out, so you're on a, a certain log for a certain amount of time. And as you time out on that log with your opponent um, and the match doesn't end, you go to a smaller log. So the match gets tougher and it goes quicker. And we run all three out of five matches. So. We start out kind of easy. We ease everyone into it. And then as you get through the match, you get down to the fastest log at the end there. So really testing your ability as you as you go on throughout the match. Uh,
1: Peter, I have a question. Uh, Samantha's talking about log rolling. And, uh, you know, we've all probably seen some of this on, like, Wide World of Sports or something at some time in our life. But, uh, do you do individual log rolling where you're just doing it for time, or do you do both where you're doing it for time and then you throw in a comp- uh, an opponent and you're trying to throw the opponent off or get the opponent to fall off the log? Go ahead, yeah, so Samantha.
4: It's always against an opponent. So it's a, oh, it's a
1: always. Okay. Which makes
4: it kind of unique, yeah. So it, that it's kind of what makes it so intense and so competitive is, like when you're chopping a block of wood, you're going out there, you're doing the best you can on your block of wood. Nobody else can affect you and your block of wood. Whereas in log rolling, you're on that log with your opponent and you're trying to muscle or, you know, be quicker than them and get them off. So sure, the sparring sure. aspect of log rolling is really unique.
2: So, so,
1: and yeah. you can do it either by going so fast or by going fast and stopping immediately and trying to throw them off their speed or off their stride there as well, right?
4: You got it, yeah. So some of the, you know, some of the gals aren't as muscular, so they rely on their quickness and their endurance. And then some of the gals who are a little bit stronger and have stronger lower bodies will work on using their force and trying to kick um, or boot their opponent in the water, yeah, giving that log a boot, essentially.
2: Imagine! Wow. Imagine your shoes have to be something with spikes or something. Uh, Adam, could you tell? Because you told me that you actually built a pair of shoes for somebody in your life. Yeah. Because I'm visualizing tennis shoes sliding, falling off right now.
3: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's there's two different kinds of log rolling logs. You have a carpeted log, which is generally used uh, in a, in a pool or an indoor facility, um, and then you have a spike log. In a spike, um, you, you've got a, a soccer cleat. And with a hard plastic bottom and you grind off that and you put in essentially logger corks into the bottom of that shoe so that you can grip. And that's why those are more used for the outside um, venues. But, uh yeah, it's no sh- small feat to to kind of uh, tear apart and then rebuild a pair of shoes. But, yeah, as the... The story goes, I I made Samantha her first, very first pair of pro log rolling spikes. That's kind of
0: kind how I, we I'm met. I'm curious. We got DJ here. Do they have bare, do they have barefoot
5: log rolling competition? Ooh, I no, I don't. You don't see anything like that. I think some of the youth uh, in the youth division uh, might do that a little bit on the uh, on the carpeted logs, but uh, at the pro level, uh, it's spikes and they're all in. I didn't know they
0: used spikes, Brad. I thought it was barefoot. No. So, oh
1: no! no. Have uh, you ever heard of slivers, Kenny? <laughs> <laughs> they,
0: they don't have sandpaper for these logs. <laughs> no. Oh.
1: No. <laughs> wow. That's that. Uh, as long as as long as we are talking to DJ, DJ, how long have you been involved in the Hayward? This, I mean, first of all, this event is so major for Hayward. Do you want to talk about the the impact to that whole community of the of the big world event like this?
5: No, thanks Brad. Yeah, it's it's big. I mean, we started in 1960, you know, with uh with this event. Tony Wise brought it to uh to Hayward. Uh, you know, we hit ABC Wild World of Sports. Uh, we, we you know, Hayward started getting uh, put on the map with that. And when you when you look at today's population, Hayward's 2,000 people and you get this event and you get I don't know how many thousands of people uh Twelve to fifteen thousand people that come for the shows uh, all three days. It's just it's a, it's a big big impact on our uh, on our communities. So yeah, we've uh, you know we've been involved in this. Uh, uh, the company I work for, Johnson Timber Future Wood, they're in Hayward, family run uh, company. Uh, we've been helping uh, select the wood from way back in the seventies. Uh, I got involved in the eighties and uh, uh, still with uh, still involved with the wood procurement uh, yet today
2: um brad i got a thought here on this d j you know, this is covered by years ago wide world or sports um so you get con- contestants from all over the world um could you talk about that a little bit where how far are they coming away from they must stay here a little bit to get acclimated to the travel This, the jet lag i guess you could say could you talk about that some
5: no, absolutely. Um, you know, some of the you know, stronger communities, I think, in New Zealand, and Adam would probably know this better, in Australia, but they, you know, some of the uh, clubs are, are really, really big and, and massive in size. So we see truly some of the best from Australia and New Zealand, Canada. Uh, we've had some guys uh, come over, uh, you know, from, uh, from the Czech Republic. Um, last year, I think we had Ferry Swan come over from, uh, from Sweden mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it really is, uh, it really is impressive that, uh, they're coming. They, uh, um, they come here to, uh, see if, uh, they can oust the Americans. And, and I tell you what, the Americans, uh, the Canadians, uh, really gave, uh, the, uh, uh, guys from Australia a run for their money, to, this, uh, this year uh it's uh it's the first time we've seen them back you know really since the uh pandemic and and so it was really nice to if you will get a little of that international flavor uh but for dale beams and his wife amanda to come from australia uh both very very strong competitors um you know adam i you know you guys uh it, it was a it was a very very closely contested field this year
3: yeah absolutely and and i echo the same sentiments um you know any opportunity i can get uh to to rub elbows with other people from different countries they can they can share a little insight on on some things that i've got going on in my swing or my sawing um and and through that we've developed there's nobody on the stage that isn't friends with with any of those competitors i mean it really is a uh the biggest smallest family you will ever be a part of um but yeah having people coming across the border from canada um <laughs> that absolutely meant the world to me because that mean i uh, meant i got a couple saws brought back down to me um but uh the europeans they're they're stepping up to the the plate and uh in the world of wood chopping it's always been uh the americans the canadians uh, the australians and new zealanders that have uh, the, the big four that have been the most competitive and um, you 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 go to the European theater, and uh, there's a lot of other people: the, the Poles, the Czechs, the Italians. They're all bringing a lot of talent to the table, and
1: um, outstanding. You know, it's 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 Peter, great great for the sport. Yeah, Peter, maybe you can talk a little bit because I think isn't there? Uh, yeah, we do. I, maybe when we come back from the break, you can talk a little bit about. I, I think they have a competition where you. It's almost like a uh, like the marathon or not a marathon but where you compete in so many different events trying to win the grand championship and maybe we can talk about that when we come back but we got to go to a break where uh, pay for radio and we'll be back shortly. Giant Redwood the larch. the fir the mighty scotch pine the smell of fresh cut timber the crash of mighty trees with my best girl by my side We'd sing,
4: sing, sing!
1: I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day.
4: He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I
1: cut down trees. I eat my lunch. I go to the laboratory. Go to the laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, DJ Adam and Samantha. This is a period of time where we usually always announce that that's Peter singing this song, but I don't think
2: it really is. Yeah, I'm right there, Brad. I'm just about ready to break into it. You know, grew up watching. Lawrence Walk and I just always wanted to be a dancer,
0: right? <laughs> oh man. But anyway, you have the a word question. the word the
1: word I was looking for was decathlon, where where you where an athlete or like Adam or whoever is in competition. Yep. Do you have a competition where you compete in, let's say, chainsaw cutting, axe cutting, axe throwing, log climbing, a bunch of different events for the and and win the
2: prizes the of the most all around logger or anything like that a lot of times Brad, i think of it as there's a, there's a there's many many different uh, avenues of going on there would a, a competitor have to win everyone number one to be the number one but it it works dj you want to explain to the folks out there how it works because it'd be impossible to win everyone number one in that that because
5: it's so hard, it I is really truly so, very yeah. hard. Absolutely, no. I, we have a uh, an all around ward uh, named after uh, Tony Wise, who founded the event, uh, for both the w- men and, and and the women. And so, there's roughly twelve different events where the competitors can score points. And basically, we'll start, Brad. With uh, we'll start with like uh, thirty choppers on uh, on Thursday, and we'll neck okay. that down to eighteen on Friday. And then basically the top six will go in the final, and, and, and uh, the another three will go what we call in the small final. But only eight of those 30 athletes are going to get points. And then based on, obviously, if you're, uh, if you're in first place, uh, you'll, uh, you'll end up with uh, eight points. And if you're in eighth place, you'll end up with a point. If you're below eighth place, you get nothing. You know, other than uh, your <laughs> satisfaction on on uh, just how you placed, and, and and essentially what it is is we rank these competitors. So um, sure. next year uh, they're going to want a strong ranking to to make sure that they make it into uh, to the event.
1: So the 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 event that takes place in Hayward is is. Re- truly the world championship right
5: absolutely we have it uh, we have it uh, trademarked as such and uh, you know we we are the lumberjack world championships and and that's why again you get uh, you get all these people from all over the world come here to compete
2: Dude, I, uh, what's going through my thoughts is does a person have to rank so high somewhere else to even be invited because you know you can't get somebody that's going to be just a total goof at this because when you're when the contest is on, everybody's dead serious. I want to beat my opponent no matter what. But when the contest is over, you want to help them up.
5: Mm-hmm. No, ab- no, absolutely. I mean, back I can re- I honestly remember in the days when we did have a ranking system, and I will just say that I can remember one guy coming in from Illinois, and he wanted to impress his friends, and essentially he came to the event with a doggone hardware axe. Well my gosh it was nothing I mean it was just like this guy beat on that block of wood it was between five and ten minutes you know and these guys are going through it in 20 to 30 seconds Peter and I mean I'm just like you know (laughs) so yeah so we just have to like okay yeah you're you're a tough guy and you're trying to impress your friends but you know what you don't belong here you know and so this isn't uh this isn't a county show this isn't a you know this isn't a, a qualifier type event this is you know this is there and we have a competition committee that actually sits down and reviews all the uh, all the applications that we get and we have to rank them because we had we had 36 38 competitors and, and had to uh, you know basically uh, cut the field to 30 so so from from like Adam from your standpoint
2: what is it like to be invited where you actually get to become on stage
3: Well, I mean, that's a huge honor. Uh, You know, we're talking about uh, the vetting process. I mean, 15 years ago, I I did the same thing. I I submitted my application. I showed up. I was a relatively unknown individual, and I had to have people vouch for me in my experience to be allowed on the stage. And what I knew at that point is I needed to prove to DJ that I was competent enough to come back. And 15 years ago, and I haven't been told to... To not come back, I haven't been asked uh, that I couldn't play, you know. But uh, it's a huge honor to be able to to be ranked uh, in 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 the country or uh, in the world to all these other people. I mean, when you incorporate Australian woodchoppers, then my rank goes down naturally because I don't, I rank lower compared to them. But in the in the midst of all the the U.S. choppers, you know, I've been a a top twenty competitor for you know a good 10 solid 10 years right now so it, it's a huge mm-hmm. honor and and the respect is given to me as a competitor and i just have to, to prove to dj that i he didn't make a bad call and um i'm, I'm brad
2: on um samantha's side of it she grew up in hayward uh, samantha what was it like for you to be able to make it from being a child growing up there to where all of a sudden you are on the stage you people everybody's watching you
4: yeah, it's really neat. Honestly, I get, I get emotional during the opening ceremonies, just kind of looking around. The bleachers are packed. You know, everyone's standing there listening to the National Anthem, and it's just really cool that that is the same spot that I grew up doing it. You know, a lot of people travel yeah. there, and they compete there once a year, but that's somewhere that I get to train and compete, and that's home for me. So to see it come to life um, every year, you know, end of July is, is really, really special. Oh,
2: really, that's really okay. neat, Brad, that she said the National Anthem. Mm-hmm. You know, it shows that over and over. I bet you've never seen anybody sit during the National Anthem or Neil or, <laughs> or any of that. Have knee? you ever seen a <laughs> or DJ <take> or Samantha? <laughs> <laughs> you've been there their, your whole life. Never. <laughs> never. Never. No. no, they're all pretty proud of being involved.
4: Stands. People have to stand for four.
2: Yeah. Japan. You know, Samantha,
1: yeah. uh, Samantha, I'm I'm interested on some of the equipment, and maybe you or Adam or even DJ could answer. But I've I've seen on some of the shows on TV, these axes look like they're so sharp you could shave with them. I mean, absolutely can. <laughs>
3: you you don't, yeah, I mean, you're you're talking uh, uh, anywhere from uh, five to six hundred dollars for run-of-the-mill axe to be delivered to your. To your house by the via the post office um and then you got to spend uh countless hours honing it down and testing it in, in pieces of wood i mean uh i have you know I, I put my my lumberjack equipment you know and my children in the same category of or level of protection um <laughs> i mean it's it's something that i've i've invested a serious amount of money in but once you get an axe cut and right you don't touch it put it back in the box don't, right don't fuss with yeah. it I bet you don't let anybody else mess with it either. (laughs) No, no, definitely not.
2: Uh, uh, Brad, from our standpoint, when these folks get on the stage, like Adam and Samantha and other folks that do this, what is it? Adam, what is it really like when you're out there and, and your hands are on the log? You're going to grab this hot saw; it's going to go wildly screaming, <laughs> and everybody's plugging their ears. And you got to make three cuts. What is it like from a competitor standpoint? Do you get the jitter bugs? Are you getting upset? Do people start shaking and that because they're getting so wound up? Oh, absolutely.
3: I mean, it, uh, it's 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 nerve wracking as as. Anything can be in that. I mean, you're. This is your moment. This is your 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 ten seconds of fame to do everything you've you've trained and practiced. Um, but how we get over that as competitors is we we structure everything. Everything from how we walk onto the stage. How I I clip my right leg and my chaps first to my re- left leg. Everything is routine. Everything. Um, sure. So I can do it blindfolded, and I don't. I commit it to habit, and I don't screw it up. Um, it's when you, you forget those things and you kind of just throw caution to the wind, that's when you get yourself in trouble and you cut out and you have a DQ and DJ's got to get, <laughs> get his rules out. And
2: So, so uh, Samantha, what is it like for you when you're, you grew up here, the world stage, what is it like for you when you get out there and you're ready to start competing where you watched your whole life? What is it like? Do you get the same way, excited, wound up? Uh, you know, you're there to win. Everybody's there to win. Could you explain?
4: Yeah, I think and I, you know, I talked with a lot of competitors this weekend specifically about this. You get anxious. There's it's a it's a big crowd. It's a big stage, if not one of the biggest in the U.S. specifically, um, and it's a lot of pressure when you get there and a lot of pressure you put on yourself. You think all oh, this training, now is my time to shine. Um, and especially in the log rolling, there's no room for nerves, right? You're nervous. Your legs get wobbly. Well, it's awful hard to stand on a log. So, Keeping your composure and trying to work through those feelings is really, really tough on the Hayward stage. Um, and one thing that I talk about a lot with people is that not a lot of people will win a title at the Lumberjack World Championship. That's just not a title that a lot of people will hold. But what you'll hear people say is, yeah, I made it to the finals in this discipline you know, last year. Just making it to the finals in Hayward is an accomplishment in and of itself. Um, so that kind of goes Gotta to show be. the amount of pressure that, it, that gets put into this competition. Those expectations are just that much higher.
1: Got to be, folks. Well, we uh, we have to take our CBS news break, uh, but we're going to come back and talk a little bit more uh, with the wonderful, wonderful people from Hayward, from the World Logging uh, Championships in Hayward, Wisconsin. So uh, take it away for CBS, and then we'll come back. <music> Little wood ball to bring us back there. <laughs> will be an answer? Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs>
2: anyway, Brad,
1: uh, Peter, real... you, you always do such a great job with guests, uh, but today is one of those days I wish we could take you for another hour uh, because uh-huh. people are so interested, especially around the Northland, because they they look forward to the. Uh, logging championships every year. So, Well,
2: Brad, uh, I, w- I want to thank you and everybody out there listening. we got just a little bit of time here because uh, we started this uh, in, in 2016 now, and it's been a full se- uh, seven years, I think, right now. And it's yeah. because you allowed us to come out here. I want to thank you very much and everybody out there willing to listen. And uh, just a few things I want to get through is, is uh, uh, on, on the contest and that. But thank you. I mean that really from the deep part of my heart that I wish I could thank everyone. That They're willing to take time to listen. But we get what we get. Anyway, DJ, could you hit a little bit on the logs a little bit, then we're going to go to Adam really quick on the, these, these individuals got to train somewhere. They just don't show up. They got to train and work out real hard somewhere in the background you never see.
5: Yeah, so the wood for the championships, Peter, is um – you know, we take a lot of pride in, in selecting that wood, and, and, and basically the, the competitors do not want to chop into wood that has knots or saw through wood that has knots because it can damage their equipment severely. So our goal as the wood procurement guys is to go out there and find them clear sections of trees. And so we get into, like, plantation white pine or something like that. Uh, we had a beautiful uh, uh, patch of uh, of white pine this year that we use for our chopping wood. Uh, we actually got the wood from Virginia, uh, turned it in West Virginia, and brought it up to, uh, to Hayward. But we had whorls. You know, if you talk about the, the growth rates in, in southern uh, U.S., we had whorls that were 54 inches apart. That's how much that tree grew in that given year. And so you talk wow. about being able to, you know, we're we're just we have twenty six inch blocks, twenty seven inch blocks, so we don't need that. We're actually able to get two blocks out of that uh, in between those two worlds. But a lot of times we'll use the knots on top or the knots on to- on, on bottom to identify. So the the competitors are chopping or sawing through, uh, not you know, not free wood.
2: That's pretty interesting that even a knot can mess up your equipment. That is really really something. And I imagine like Adam and Samantha. you 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 must practice somewhere because you can't just show up
3: yeah i mean the practice makes perfect you got to get your licks in before you hit the competition stage and you know i i feel like this is the the other art form to this sport is figuring out how you can build a training facility on the cheap and make it quality and get all the work done that you have have to get done um, I've invested uh, a lot of time in, in decking and metal saw stands, uh, but honestly, uh, throw a chopping stand out on the lawn and have a block of wood. But it's you know it's interesting you know the the, the concept of the not free wood because. And when you're training, you're training on anything you get your hands on. In the early days, I would wait for the county road crews to go through, and they'd tip trees over, and I'd go out there with my buddies and a 12-pack of beer, and we'd go get all of our training wood.
2: They were borrow- uh, borrowing the wood, borrowing yeah, the wood there. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. up. <laughs> but uh, you do what you gotta do to get that, that training in, and um, you'll notice people, um, nowadays, I'm in, a, I'm in a better spot, and I'm buying, You know, I'll buy, I'll buy a truckload of wood and have it dropped off, and um, you know that's 12 quarter wood for me and uh it supports the local business it gets uh a forester buddy his quota and his wood goes to another location and um just kind of another cog in in the, the big wheel um I do cry a little bit when I see beautiful chopping wood go to the pulp mill, but uh, it is what it is. It's for <laughs> the greatest good, right?
2: What about, what about this one, Brad? If, uh, you, you live out in Bearris. People don't really hear the noise of a hot saw going because no. it's not normal. Yeah. Folks, when that thing oh, fires no. up, it's not, not even close to normal. <laughs> it's like a jet fighter going over your house for some reason. Right. But uh, what if somebody is living in a suburb, and all these people around you, and Jim over there fires up his hot saw. Mm-hmm. He's going to be hurt for five blocks. <laughs> yeah. oh, what yeah. the heck is he going to do here?
3: Well, uh, you know, my advice in that is uh, get to know your neighbors and, and tell them the truth about what you got going on because they're going to figure it out. But It's funny you mention that because the town of Hayward does come to life about this time of year, in earlier spring, and um, the noise of hot saws does come across... Uh, the treetops and, uh, and reverberates quite well, so it's it's like a welcoming, <laughs> welcoming entry to the summer.
2: So music, well.
3: Yes.
1: Look, guys, we've only got a minute or two left, but I have to ask the question: Do some of the competitors actually work in the forest industry during the regular year? Are they? Do
2: they get out and log for a living? Yeah, you're talking to one right now. He's, uh, <laughs> go ahead, Adam. Yeah,
3: I'm, I mean, I'm a forester by trade, and uh, I'm I keep company with other foresters, other arborists. Uh, I know quite a few um, owner-operator loggers and sawmillers and such like that, and and a lot of people do because that, that's how they get into this. Uh, they, you know, they get into it like I did in university, but uh, a, lot sure. of, a lot of people also were just born into that.
2: Uh, Brad, well, Brad, I got they, one question here because there's probably sure. some young folks out there, some parents that are thinking, um, I want to get my child into log rolling or learn about this. What, what would they, and they'd have no clue, they have no connection, but if they really wanted to, uh, what, what would they do to try to get to that point to start somewhere? So you got to find a, an
3: organization or an individual that is um, that has the skill sets to offer. Um, and a good example is the U.S. Log Rolling Association. They offer um, a lot of opportunity and and you know frequently asked question sheets and stuff like that 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 they can steer you in the right direction. But really, it comes down to finding people that have uh, that already have the skill sets and kind of globbing onto them and don't let them don't let them kick you loose because that's the only way you're going to learn is is to uh, to be that thorn in the side and you'd be surprised uh, how how good you're going to form a relationship there.
1: <laughs> well oh. guys, we uh we have to wrap it up and uh, Peter, I want to thank you again. I want to thank DJ for uh bringing uh, people in and Adam and Samantha, the kind of uh the kind of athletes that you people are just amazing the kind of work and skill levels that you have So we are so proud to have uh, have Peter bring us guests like you once a month, and it's going to be going on for God knows how long, Peter, because, (laughs) you know, I, like you, thought maybe we'd get a couple of months, maybe a year that there would be interest, but there's a lot of interest in logging, Uh and we're so proud to bring it every month to people here in the North. And the last, usually the last Wednesday, this month it happens to be the last Thursday, but thank you all for coming in.
2: Well, thank you very much, Brad, and everybody out there willing to listen. And I take the time out of your day, and we'll keep going as long as everybody wants to keep listening. So, until next time, let the sawdust fly, and thank you so much for allowing us in your lives.
0: And, Brad, real quickly, we are at the end of our number two. My goodness, uh, that was quite a segment. And, I, you know, Just I, 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 I got to tell you, Brad, I was talking to a DJ, and I said, Usually, you're here promoting the Lumberjack World Championships. <laughs> it occurred last weekend, they had yes, great correct. weather. Uh, a great turnout, so the Lumberjack World Championships, the 63rd competition, here and gone. But uh, they had a lot of fun.
1: Well, and like he said, it just turns Hayward's population upside down. People come from all over the world actually to be part of it, to see part of it, and it gets great coverage. So uh, yeah, next year maybe we can uh, maybe we can get some pre-event uh, publicity going for it or something, but. Uh, Peter does a fantastic job of getting getting people. And the, most of these people started off their lives working in the industry, working in the woods, uh, making a living. And some of them still do it today. Well, when we come back with the next hour, we've got a lot to get into, boy. Uh, turns out uh, Trump's team is preparing for another grand jury uh, to indict uh, the former president. We also have a report out this morning from the Citizens Utility Board of Minnesota about gas prices, natural gas prices for your home. It's going to shock a lot of you. So stay tuned for that when we come back with the third hour here on a Thursday uh, sound off. Right here on 610 KDAL Radio. You
0: know, i got to tell you, I'm looking at a headline here. we got about 30 seconds. Uh, let me read the headline. This is off of a news okay. source that I use. Biden yeah. to announce measures to protect workers in heat. <laughs> now, I think we know it. Well, we do know That's what that pretty, means. But yeah, what are these dogs? And yeah. Are these dogs? In there?
1: Yeah, I think he's talking about his, his German Shepherd, maybe. Workers sure. in heat. <laughs> Well, we got a lot to talk about. So stay tuned, folks, for uh, hour number three of Sound Off coming up right here on 610 KDAL.